What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on a mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. In the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener, and thought leaders to explore what needs to get done. With this special thing called blockchain timestamps, all content you consume will be transparent and accountable. Welcome to the new default on the internet. Thank you for being part of this journey and let's build the Trusted Web together. In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Dan Gilmore. Dan Gilmore is an American technology writer and columnist. And in 2004, he published the book, We the Media, a book that offered a guide to new internet tools for journalists. Today, he's the co-founder of News Collab, an initiative to elevate uh, news literacy and awareness at the Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. To set the stage, what is the state of uh, fake news and misinformation today? Uh, bad. Yeah. If you're if you're into it, it's good. Uh, it there, there's a lot of it. Uh, we have a better understanding of it than we did before, and we're now aware, I think, generally that it's going to be a long and difficult uh, struggle. Uh, with a lot of opportunities along the way to improve the information ecosystem. And we really have to do that. You gave an amazing talk in 2017 that was at the Long Now Foundation. And there you did a, a great overview of all phases of media we went through as society. That was in 2017. And you uh, said, hey, it's we're at phase 7.2. Can you do a small description of those phases and where are we? Are we still in phase 7.2 or did we move on? I think I said I was in, my, my career has gone through phases and we're in, I'm in career 7.2, but uh, I think we're in media 3.2 uh, perhaps going, you know, it goes way back when I think of media, I think of people creating things that others will see or hear or watch later and it goes back to the cave dwelling the cave drawings on the walls of caves and uh, onward through the invention of paper and language and uh, the printing press and broadcast and, and the internet which kind of brings all of the others together uh, and created a many to many media which uh, was new and we're still figuring that out that talk was in 2017. I will link it in the show notes. It was an amazing overview. What changed over the last um, three years since that talk? Because we're recording in February 2021. A lot of what's changed, uh, as I think I said at the beginning, is that we have a much better understanding of what the problem is, what the, uh, the context that we are in for the uh, the new emerging information ecosystem. And we have uh, some pretty good clarity on what the questions are, uh, not so much on the answers. There, There's a lot of uh, 
there's a lot of people calling for this or that remedy to the problems, uh, which uh, I am careful to wonder about because people who say to, for example, Facebook and Google and others, uh, you have to do something. Uh, I'm always asking, yeah, exactly what do you want them to do? And have you thought that all the way through to where that ends up? Do you really want them to be the editors of the internet? And uh, I know I don't want them to be the editors of the internet. I want us to be the editors. And that's a lot of the work I do. Yeah. Can you um, describe what your organization does and how is, uh, yeah, how, how is that an answer to the questions that we should ask now? I'm not going to say we have the answer. I think we have part of it. And we have to understand that uh, when people have talked for a long time about the uh, a marketplace of ideas, the marketplace of information, uh, markets have supply and they have demand. And the work that we do is largely on the demand side of that equation, which is to say, well, it's very clear we need to upgrade the supply, the journalism and all the other things that are out there definitely have to upgrade that. But we believe it's equally important that we upgrade us, the people who use information. And we've done a pretty bad job of that, mainly because hardly anyone has tried until quite recently. There's been a movement called media literacy, which is a part of information literacy and digital literacy. There's all kinds of literacies that people talk about. And we need to improve uh, in every way, helping individual people uh, in their own lives and in their lives of their communities uh, upgrade the demand for better information. And that's part of it. It's also supply, but we want to focus uh, as I said, on our on the demand. And not only do we need to upgrade demand, we have to do it at scale. Uh, so the work that we do in the News Collab is about how do we do this at scale, helping others who are doing good work do more of it. Uh, and we look at really three institutions in society that uh, can bring scale to this. First one is education. The second one is media. And third one is the a group of companies that practically define scale now, which uh, of course is the technology industry. To unpack this education uh, at the schools, there's uh, the media and, and there's the tech. Can we go one by one? What should all do to combat the issues we face today? Well, education is the place where most of the uh, work had gone on for uh, such as there was uh, in the past uh, several decades. Uh, and it had been focused largely uh, at, on the uh, kindergarten through high school level, which is valuable and useful. And, and uh, we're, we're glad to work with people who are doing that. And they've, they've been out there trying very hard for a long time. In the United States, school districts are very locally controlled. 
So it is something that only scales through replic replication. And the uh, reality is in a lot of school districts in the United States, the idea of teaching what amounts to critical thinking is not something that some people want to do with their children, which we think is unfortunate, but that's just reality. We think that in education, it should include uh, college level and adults of all ages uh, from uh, you know people in their 20s to people in their 90s. And one reason for that is that data are very clear that people, the demographic group that shares the most uh, misinformation is seniors, uh, older people. So uh, we have a lot of work to do. And we've, we've done some things with uh, online courses and others to, to work on that. When it comes to journalism, to, to media, uh, media's role, I think, starts with journalism. Journalists have not made media literacy, news literacy, how the news works, essentially, uh, part of their mission, which is, I think, a great failing of the news industry for a long time. It's just something they never considered. And I think that's been a tragic loss to themselves because if they had, they'd be trusted more. But That's a big haven't. thing to say. It, when, we t when we talk with news organizations about being leaders in their communities of, of teaching, of making people media literate and, and savvy about how the news works, we think that's to the advantage of the journalism organizations if they're transparent uh, about who they are, what they do, how they do it, why they do it, uh, you know, transparently correct errors, explain what happened, don't do it again, things like that. That That's an enormously valuable thing for people in a community. The second element for news organizations, from our view, is to engage deeply with communities in conversation and collaboration. Uh, I cannot demonstrate that there's a great business case for this. Uh, I think it's likely that it's good for the business, but there's no evidence yet that proves that, that I've seen. Uh, we certainly, data says that it, it's, it's a good thing for trust, but that doesn't necessarily translate to money. Uh, and then journals are only one relatively small part of the media ecosystem. We would like to see people in the advertising and marketing, general marketing world get involved. They have not done much. Um, and there's some conflicts there, partly because marketing for a long time, an element of it has been to fool people. So you know, we have that issue. Uh, and we'd like to see entertainers get involved. Uh, been very little of that. that. That could change. And then finally, the, the people we want to bring to scale on this would be the tech industry, um, which has made a few steps in the right direction, but not nearly enough. If uh, you know, if I, I don't. If I don't want Twitter and Facebook to be the editors of the internet or Google, uh, and I say I want us to be, well, I want their help. 
and they've not provided the kind of help I think they could. And the place where I think they could provide the most help is to change the product. Uh, that's a very hard thing to get them to do for very understandable reasons. I should say, by the way, that uh, we have had some uh, funding from the tech industry, including Facebook Journalism Project, which uh, has not uh, changed my deep misgivings about some of the things Facebook does, but I do appreciate that they've worked with us on this. Yeah. And what must the big tech platforms, what, what should they do? Is it a change in algorithm? Is it the uh, getting tools for education in place? Uh, what, what is there to do for them? A very fair criticism is that algorithms are designed for, um, as one person said, for addiction. And I think that's problematic and if we want them to change that we have to get them to recognize that this is not necessarily good for business uh, companies don't normally do things that are bad for business you have to, there, there's going to be a lot of persuasion that in the long run it's better for business which i believe and but i i think there are things they could be doing uh something twitter just launched this uh, uh uh, community moderation uh, experiment really is, I think could be great. Uh, people flagging things and helping Twitter moderate better. Uh, the thing about moderation is that it simply does not work at scale, not at the scale Facebook, Twitter, and other companies operate. It's You can't have enough human beings in your staff to do it. it can't be done so the demands that they pre-edit everything i think are very misguided and would lead to taking down all kinds of important good things uh, we have to be very cautious i'd like to see uh, a number of things go on i, I, I would love to see uh, facebook give users a dashboard where they could set their own news feed the way they wanted, but in some detail. Uh, I'd like a button that I could push on Facebook that says, uh, you know, burst. If I'm in a filter bubble, please burst it and show me things from people who I'm not going to agree with, but, you know, not from people who are spreading lies. Shake uh, the snowball and see something yeah. new. Yeah, just, just, uh, there's a lot we could do. We could ask for, I, I, I would love to see a delay in sharing um, or stronger limits on sharing. I think that's been a real problem. You know, I, I would require people to click through to an article if they're going to share a headline about it. And maybe they're not going to read it, but make them click through and, and have it show up on their screen uh, before they can share. Things like that. There's a lot we there's a lot we could ask the tech people to do, and I think they understand that they have lots of issues here. And one of the things you said in the uh, in the talk you did the 2017 one was uh, all credibility is sucked out of the ecosystem. Are there 
um, solutions, for example, uh, coming now from the open source, the blockchain space to make transparency and accountability part of the base layer of the internet? Is that something that makes sense for you or uh, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't the uploading uh, solution come from technology? There may be a place for that. Um, I, can, I can imagine situations where authentication and verification will be very important. But I think that that could lead us down a path that's quite dangerous where, as, just for example, anything where every piece of information uh, was tagged and verified and that would stay with it, think of kind of a watermark on steroids, is is uh, has danger all around it, including the possibility that this becomes uh, a new form of control, that uh, it could become a new form of it could become a way to deny the right to speak without giving your name. It could end anonymity. There's a lot of problems that I think people who are advocating these solutions need to think through very, very carefully and adjust their uh, products and, and, and ideas to account for the use cases that are the hard ones, not the easy ones. Looking at the, the big tech and they're uh, working with you, or at least there's, they're working with journalists with the funding they do, is the uh, combination between journalism and big tech enough or is policy making needed to uh, solve the issues we face? There are several issues about that that are important. And, and I, I want to uh, shout, give a shout out to my friend Emily Bell at Columbia University, who thinks it's a great mistake for journalists to uh, get funding, for anybody to get funding, she thinks, from the big tech industry. Uh, and I really respect her position on this. I, uh, we don't agree on this, but Emily's asking us to think in incredibly hard about where that leads and we need to have people ourselves we need to be watching um, how this works and if if journalism becomes dependent on technology companies a few giant companies that's we're not any better off than we were uh, before maybe worse i believe in the idea of a marketplace. I'm not saying it has to be a for-profit marketplace. Not-for-profit enterprises are still businesses and have to be operated as businesses. They need recurring revenues, you know, like customers. And that's, that's a very healthy thing. A customer is, is disciplined for any kind of endeavor. Um, whether it's a customer who is, is someone who just follows you or pays you or ideally pays you. But we, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the idea of not-for-profit journalism and, and a new something emerging, a cooperative journalism. I think that's a great possibility as well as for-profit. I'm, you know, I'm a capitalist. I'm not, 
against uh, for-profit. In fact, I think that would be best of all if we could make that work. So I don't, I just think it's a mistake if journalists say, well, we want Google and Facebook to pay us to do journalism uh, like what, what's going on in Australia and France. I think that's bad news. Well, that, what Twitter did, they did exactly what you said. Um, hey, you can only retweet if you have opened the message. Um, we talked about the moderation of content by community. Is that something that a policymaker should enforce, for example, uh, once the rules are, the, the best practices are designed or um, are big tech and journalism and the, the end cons consumer of media, are they willing and able enough to uh, fix this without the government uh, regulation uh, tuning in? Well, I will say because I'm from uh, a country that has the First Amendment and I'm fairly absolutist on this, I don't think government has any business in uh, telling people how they may or may not speak unless that speech goes into some very specific and very circumscribed places that uh, are are illegal by the nature of what uh, actions come from it. So, so I realize that that's not the way things uh, are looked at around the world in most other countries. Uh, I think that we've done very well having a First Amendment and I want to keep it. I think there's an unfortunate trend in the United States of people uh, complaining about free speech. Uh, that worries me a great deal. Over the last years, we learned what questions to ask. We're recording in uh, February 2021. Last question, what will happen in this decade? Will we be able to uh, get the answers and implement the answers? I'm not nearly smart enough to tell you. I, I, I think we can count on a long period of uncertainty, of misinformation running pretty rampant, and of, of, of a long and, and difficult struggle to get control of ourselves at some level, that we have uh, we have a big problem, but it took a fairly long time to to dig the hole that we have dug for ourselves and our societies. Uh, I'm I, I'm glad to say that I think we're on the verge of following the uh, the first rule of getting out of a hole that you're digging for yourself, which is to stop digging. I think we are on. We're close to, to, to that. And then we're going to have a lot of work to do. I think it'll certainly be the, uh, the rest of my career will be involved in that work. And I, I think it's going to take all of us working together, uh, the people who are of goodwill and who are not trying to poison things to overcome the, what is really a minority of people who I, 
who are of bad will. And I think we have to keep that in mind. They're, they have an ability to do outsized damage, but collectively, I think we have an ability to uh, not fix everything, but to uh, get our societies to recognize and remember the value of the freedoms that at least uh, I think are, are crucial. I, I don't want to see his head down the path toward authoritarianism or worse, because uh, that never ends well for freedom of expression and the, uh, the people who want to control speech now uh, should watch out because they'll be the first ones to be shut up if the authoritarians take over. And there's hope is what you say. We're almost at the, we, we might be at the end of digging and starting to uh, implement solutions. I think we're, we're close and we're, you know, again, pick, uh, we can pick our, whatever cliche we want to use, but uh, I, I do believe we're fairly clear now on what the questions are. And that's a, that's a lot of progress in the last couple of years. There are people, again, who are much smarter than me who have been asking these questions for some years. And we're, we're at the point where those questions and others are surfaced. They're, they are now on the surface and we're all thinking, okay, how do we answer these? And uh, that's gonna take some time. Thank you for uh, yeah giving those insights. And is there anything to add? And secondly, what uh, where can people find the important work you do? Then I'm easy to find on Google, but uh, and my about page says a lot more about me. But and I assume you'll put my uh, dangilmore.com on your screen. But our our work at the News Collab is uh, at uh, News Collab, which is spelled N E W S C O L L A B dot org. We have a lot of work we're doing. We have some new things coming and I hope many more things in the future. All the information will be in the show notes. Dan, thanks so much for joining the show and for the important work you do. Let's build the trusted web together. Let's build the trusted web together. Thanks, Dan. That was Dan Gilmore dedicating the rest of his career to fixing the issues we face today. Lastly, I'd love to invite you to go to thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Of course, you'll find the show notes there, uh, which you can also find in your favorite podcast app, but there's more on that website. You'll find our report on the state of misinformation. We surveyed thousands of participants across the globe to better understand the impact misinformation has on their lives and how they view that problem. There are incredible findings there that surprised all of us over here and will probably surprise you too. And furthermore, you'll find the other episodes, the other guests, there's education, there's use cases, all for building a trusted web. It's all available there and of course for free. TheTrustedWeb.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the trusted web journey. And let's build the trusted web together.